I'll say, bless the Lord, and if you'll say, oh my soul, bless the Lord, bless his holy name. Uh, Good evening, I'm Chris Brooks, I'm the pastor here at Kairos, and uh, thanks for worshiping with us tonight. Um, Thanks for making room as our summer crowd and congregation usually starts to swell during the summer. And for those of you who are just making it back to Nashville for the summer, welcome back. We're glad you're here. We'd love to meet you. I'm not Mike Glenn. Things have changed just a little bit since the last time you've been here. But uh, with his blessing and permission, we'll continue to move into the future that Kairos has. We're finishing up a three-week series on Psalm 23. um, And we've just moved real intentionally through this psalm. We looked at our first week, He Restores My Soul. And we use some pretty interesting ways to diagram out the soul and maybe what it looks like for God to restore our soul. And then last week we talked about the fact, for he is with me. And when he is, we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. And tonight we're going to look at what it means for him to prepare a table for us, even in the presence of our enemies. So I want to make this three moves through three tables, two literal, one metaphorical. So the first one's a literal one. Um, Ten years ago, in May, I found myself sitting at a table with a couple friends in Boone, North Carolina at a bed and breakfast. And we were there to celebrate one of our dear friends' anniversary. Now, Dave Rhodes is a good friend of mine. We were doing life and ministry at the time, and we were Poe, okay? You know what Poe is, right? You're so poor you can't afford the O and the R. And so... He decided that he was, instead of saving up money and going off somewhere, which normal adults do for their 10-year anniversary, he was going to invite all of his closest friends and the people that were most influential um, in his marriage to Kim to celebrate and give thanks for the fact that one, they had made it 10 years and that God was good. And so we're sitting around this table and it was an incredible evening. Like all the dishes that they had were their favorite dishes. Some were like from their engagement meal. Some are just, hey, I love these mashed potatoes from Jay Alexander's. These were there, and we just had an incredible meal sharing and being thankful for Dave and Kim and the story that God was telling through their life. And just so you know, the word communion, by the way, literally means sharing common. And so we were communing with each other and then also with God, saying prayers over them. And then you thought, oh, wow, that, that was really nice. Uh, but Dave is kind of a romantic and creative. And those people are fun to be friends with unless they're showing you up in front of your own spouse or a significant relationship. So you kind of have two tracks going on in your mind like, this is really incredible and you jerk. Thanks. Now all my wife is going to do is compare how crappy our 10-year anniversary is to this. But never to be outdone, I bought my wife a brand new septic tank for our 10-year anniversary. You're welcome. <laughs> Sure, there's an inappropriate tagline in there somewhere, but I digress. So we're sitting at the table there, and then all of a sudden we get done eating, and probably six of us are ordained ministers, and we stand up, and one of them goes out, comes back in with a robe, and we think he's joking around, and he's ready to renew his covenant vows with his wife. And so they stand in front of the minister, and they go through the, in sickness and health, the death do you part, will you take this person to be your lawfully led wife? I do. I do, I do. And it was really this touching moment in this bed and breakfast in Boone, North Carolina. And then that joker has written a song. He has no musical talent whatsoever, so he's friends with worship leaders. So he's written a poem, set it to a song called I Do. 
And it's this incredible thing about how I do it again, even through all the things that we've been through, words and phrases and stories that were specific to their courtship, and the chorus is, I do. And it was beautiful, and they danced like they danced their first dance, but 10 years later. That's kind of a little bit of what the feel, maybe, that the Lord wants us to come to his table with tonight. Because I don't know if you know this or not, whether you're single or married, that in the consummation of God's story, you were designed to live in a marriage union with Jesus Christ. We are the bride of Christ. He is our groomsman, our kinsman redeemer, and we will celebrate at the end of all time, in the beginning of all eternity, the marriage feast between the lamb and the bride of Christ. And he wants, in the meantime, to make sure that we remember that and that we're sharing all things in common and having communion with God and one another. So the second seat is a metaphorical table, and that's found in Psalm 23. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there. If not, we'll put it up on the screen, and we'll hear about that towards the end of our psalm. Now, here's what we've been doing, which I think is lovely. Um, We've been reading this out loud together, and we're going to rock it in the King Jimmy version, because it's just cool like that. And so we'll read this all together. I'll get you guys started, and then you can take it from there. And again, by the way, Kairos as a congregation, your voice gets stronger every week. So keep singing out, um, keep singing strong, um, and keep reading strong. So if you would, join me in the reading of God's Word in Psalm 23. I'll start us off. The Lord is my shepherd. I'll say the word of the Lord, and if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. So here's a prayer card that I've been praying for this week. And for those of you uh, who are new with us, um, we have prayer walls at the back of the room here, and there's little prayer tags. Um, and we ask any time that we could have the privilege of praying for you um, as a staff and as pastors, we would love it. Um, and so, and at any point, you can fill one out, and we'll be praying for you all week. And If you want to leave a contact info, we'll text you the prayer that we're praying over you. If you want to leave it anonymous, you can do that as well. So here's an anonymous one. I need prayer for my faith. Things are falling apart, and I am not hardly hearing anything from the Lord. I think when our enemies are all around, whether outside or within, those are the times that it's really, really difficult to hear anything from the Father. And I imagine when we get to this part in the psalm, this may be a little bit of what David is feeling as he's writing this. That there are adversaries and there's a battle and it feels like I'm trying to follow God, but if I just use my physical eyes, somehow it seems as if not only has he abandoned me, but he's not providing for me or taking care of me. And so the psalmist here is, you know, just trying to get our faith strengthened and reminded that God is not only provider, he's protector. He is the good shepherd who goes before us and makes a way. And even when we've gone 
and he's restored our soul and walked through the valley of the shadow of death, when we come face to face with the things that scare us the most or that threaten God's will for our lives, his bold proclamation is, not only will you provide for me, not only will you protect me, you'll make a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And my cup's gonna run over, that's a sign of blessing and provision, and I wanna boldly declare that even if I can't see it at this moment, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The next table I wanna move to is the table that Jesus had with his disciples on the night that he would be betrayed. Because the psalmist probably can't even imagine how true these words are that he's penning. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You know that when Jesus was preparing the Lord's Supper from the gospel account, we can figure out somewhat of the seating arrangements. Because he says, the one who's gonna betray me is the same one who dips the cup with me. Which means Judas was sitting on his left. On his right was John the beloved disciple. In Middle Eastern culture, the host would sit here and the seat on his left and on his right would be the seat of most honor. Those were the most honored guests. And what is Jesus continuing to teach his disciples even in the last hours of his life about the kingdom of God? Love your enemies. The one who was to betray him, he sat right next to him and gave him the place of honor, literally preparing a table for himself in the presence of one of his enemies. He goes even one step further if you find, I think it's in Matthew chapter 26, when Judas finally comes with the guards and betrays him with a kiss, Jesus says this, do what you came to do, comma, friend. Even in the midst of being betrayed, he still calls him friend. And so Jesus, as he's doing the Passover meal in the Jewish tradition, I have to tell you, I get really, really excited about this. Um, because I don't know what your uh, religious background or church background looks like. Let me give you a little insight into mine. Whenever we would have communion um, or the Lord's Supper, I like to call it Eucharist. It just sounds cooler. Um, And we'll do that later. Don't want to throw too much on you tonight. But we would have it in our tiny little independent fundamentalist Baptist church where we would huddle up against the big bad world um, and make sure... None of the kids were having premarital sex, which seemed to be the only gospel we preached. Is that too much? I apologize. That's just my experience. Um, Or maybe that's all I heard. Uh, (laughs) And whenever we took the Lord's Supper, man, you know, it's, and I'm not not disparaging this. I had communion this uh, Sunday with my church, and we had those, you know, those little itty-bitty cups. They might have to come from the tradition where whoever patented that must be a millionaire by now, Okay. (laughs) Because they got the market cornered. So it's like, it's like not even a Dixie cup. I don't even know what the proper term for that is. Um, it's like just enough to get, oh, I would like some more, please. Like, like Oliver Twist after communion sometimes. Um, we would have those things and we would come, we, we would pass the goblet of fire around and you'd take it out. And it would come to you, and I was an ADD kid, I was always bored, so I would always take the cup, press it on the palm of my hand, and turn it upside down to make sure none of it would leak. And then I would take it off, I'm like, ooh, stigmata. Um, And my mom's like, Chris, pay attention. But my pastor would lambast us 
If you have any unconfessed sin, you better get right with God. You will drink judgment upon yourself. And I didn't hear the grace of the table. I, I just heard the warning of judgment. And it just became a time, um, not so much of godly repentance, because godly repentance is usually motivated out of love and acceptance. Um, it, it was religious guilt. That you're an unworthy, despicable, disgusting sinner. Um, and you're lucky that Christ died for you. And you better get your, your stuff together before you come to the table. Now, I understand the heart behind that. And especially if I was in your congregation, you might have to preach that way. But... I think when Paul is talking to the church and he says, don't drink the cup in an unworthy manner, the great news about the gospel is all you have to do is admit that you're unworthy and that's what makes you worthy. That's where the blood of Jesus comes in. And what I missed out in is I finally sat down with a Messianic Jew who did a Passover Seder dinner where they took us through the traditional Hebrew Seder dinner. Has anybody been a part of one of those things? Awesome. I see that. Yeah, great. Maybe we need to do that next time. All right. Anybody know any Messianic Jews? Hit me up with their contact info. Would love it. And he walks us through and we can, we can unpack some of this stuff later. But in the traditional Passover, there's four cups, justification, deliverance, redemption, and hope. And you have like this liturgy or script that you go over and the host or the head of the household would take the whole family or whoever he was with through it. And so Jesus is doing the Passover dinner and he gets the third cup the cup of redemption, and he's supposed to say something that's already written in the script, and he breaks it. And he says, a new covenant I make in my blood. And everyone kind of looks at it. I'm sure they're used to Jesus by now saying some weird things or, hey, Jesus, psst, psst, you got the order of the service wrong. I don't know if like Peter was like trying to go like, no, 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 that's not what you say. <laughs> Maybe Thomas is checking the confidence monitor, like who's giving him the wrong information here. But what the Messianic Jew illuminated to me that I would have totally missed and that totally transformed some of my understanding of taking communion, Lord's Supper, and Eucharist is that Jesus is using language that sounds an awful lot like wedding language. That any Jewish person who heard that would go, that sounds familiar. In their society... Um, families would arrange marriages. Usually the fathers would agree upon uh, this guy and this girl. They should get together. Great. Good dowry. Whatever. You should, let's move forward. So they would arrange it. And then the day of the betrothal, the proposal, so to speak, the future husband, uh, the groomsman, would be in a room where there's simply a table and a glass of wine. And in Middle Eastern society, and especially in biblical times, Wine always signifies blood. And there'd be a goblet right on the table. The female would walk into the room. He would take up the glass and say, I want to make a covenant in my blood with you. And he would drink of it. Effectively proposing. Same translation. Will you marry me? Will you enter into a covenant committed relationship for the rest of your life with me? All that was left on her job right now, the way that she would accept, is by drinking from the same cup. Thereby saying, I do. And you know, in Jewish law, at that point, in the eyes of the law, they're married, even though they're entering into a betrothal period. Do you see any gospel overtones there? Jesus would say, I can only call those whom my father has already chosen for me. 
He again is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world with his blood. He's also the one who's going to be in the garden, who the cup of God's wrath is overflowing towards the injustice and sinfulness of humankind, and he's going to drink it all so that he can give us a cup of goodness and mercy. And what if, what if tonight, for those of us who are followers of Christ, came to the table, made sure we understood the gravity of it, but saw it as a way to renew our wedding vows to Jesus? It's been a long time since some of you in here said, I do to Jesus. And a lot of things have happened since then. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to reaffirm those vows. Two things need to happen. One, I need to know that he still wants me and still loves me. There's still a place at his table for me, even though I've been my own worst enemy. And two, I need to say out loud to him again, I do, I will, I'm in. No matter what's come before, no matter what's ahead, if you are with me, I will move forward. So that's what we're gonna do tonight. There is no sermon. The sermon is in the elements. The word of God has been made flesh and dwelt among us, and the Lord broke his body and shed his blood for us. And especially for those of us who are having a hard time hearing the voice of God, even if you don't hear it tonight, I'm inviting you to taste and touch it and understand that Jesus is whispering in your ear, I do, I will. And I wonder if you'll say the same thing back to him. So here's how it's gonna work. I love coming forward to receive communion in the Lord's Supper. There's just something priestly and powerful about walking forward and someone handing you the elements. So in just a minute, we'll have people at these tables. And when you walk forward, it's gonna be a little chaotic. It's not gonna be all neat and clean. But hey, when your family gets together and you guys all try to get to the table, neither is that, okay? But we've got enough here and we're gonna share everything in common. And when you come forward, someone will hand you the bread and they'll say, the bread of life. So if you just walk forward and have your hands out like this, just put in your body in a posture of receiving, which is wonderful. And then someone will offer the cup and say, the cup of salvation. And at that time, if you'll just dip it in, and then you'll take uh, the Lord's Supper and the elements. So I, I think the theology sometimes, given some of our different denominational backgrounds, can get a little bit wonky. There's this one end of the spectrum that just goes, yeah, it's just wine and bread, and it's, just, it's a symbol that God gave us. Thanks be to God. There's the other end that just says, that is actually the body and blood of Jesus, uh, if you say a good enough prayer over it. Okay? I think there's something incredible about right in the middle that it is symbol like the Lord's taking the most common elements known to them for our ordinances water wine uh, and bread but somehow the Lord is present and that is the mystery of communion I don't understand it I don't want to try to explain it all I just want you to experience it and let the Lord meet you at the table in a special way tonight if you want to, a lot of times it seems kind of formal um, when you receive the elements from someone. Some of you uh, who are liturgical, go ahead and cross yourself. Some of you have never done that before. You're going to feel like you have to do that. You're like, what do I do now? Cross yourself. Go for it. I don't care. Give you some peace out, dove love from above. It's all, I'm open to new expressions. But would you do me this favor? 
as you're walking back to your seat, would you say out loud or whisper in your heart, I do. I'll follow you. I I will be rescued by your love. And if you're with me, who can be against me? And so just a heads up, that's not Welch's. It's non-alcoholic wine for my brothers and sisters in recovery and those of you who are not of age yet. Um, But for me, Welch's just doesn't do it. That's what I drink with my kids at the breakfast table. There needs to be something a little bit more distinct and separate about the taste that goes into your mouth. Um, So here's the invitation. For those of you who are Christ followers, we will have a time for you to come forward and renew your vows with Jesus. If you're here tonight and you're just considering the claims of Christ, you would not call yourself a Christ follower, I want to welcome you to watch the family come to the table together. Or I could think of no better way than for you to decide to follow Jesus than by taking communion for the first time as a child of God. So we're going to have prayer counselors and leaders on the side right here. So anybody who's wrestling with something before you come to enjoy the grace and the goodness and the mercy of Jesus, there's something from that love that boils up that just says, hey, I need to confess this or I need to repent of this or I want you to pray for me about this before I go to the Lord's table, we will be available along the sides. Uh, Prayer walls are also open. If you have any questions, feel free to ask us. We just want this to be a time that the Kairos congregation comes to the table and realizes that communion is saying, I do, to Jesus. So I'll just give us about 120 seconds to ready our hearts and maybe listen to the voice of the Lord. And then when we're done, I'll invite the people in the bleachers to come down first, and then I'll invite the people on the floor to come after that. So let's take 120 seconds and listen to the voice of our Father and ready our hearts to meet him at the table.